How many of you are tired from the summer? Anybody tired from the summer? I've hit that, I've officially hit the point, and it was this week, I, I officially hit the moment in, in Phoenix, uh, in this area, where I was like, it is hot outside. <laughs> and I'm done with it. Anybody with me? Like, it's just, it's that point at which, like, there's no turning back because you don't want to go anywhere else. You're like, you want to be here because of what's coming. But it's that moment where you're like, it's the end of July, and it's 101 at 7 a.m., and that doesn't make sense. You're walking on the surface of the sun, and there's something radiating off the ground into your face that just hurts a little bit. And then you realize we've got August, September, and we've got October. But then, then we enter into heaven. Um, I've had, a, I've had a couple little trips this summer, and if, if you're like me and you have kids, you realize that vacations were never intended to be rest, right? I was talking to a young mom, uh, first-time mom this morning, and they've been gone for like two weeks on a vacation at the beach, and I asked her, I said, are you rested? And she said, no, I'm not. And she said, uh, she said I've realized that vacation now is work. And I come home to work to get a vacation from the work that I was on on vacation. And I was like, that's, that's the reality of, of, of the world. Uh, you, 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 you realize that there's some work that you take with you. I'm in this place in my life where I am trying to find rest, like stillness, like, like quietness. I have three boys and a puppy. And I do realize that silence is awkward. But there's still something nice about it, isn't there? Every now and then I toy with the idea of in a Sunday morning when we talk about rest and quiet and just trying to, to drown out the noises of, of the world, I toy with the idea of, of like no sermon, no music. Thank you for not saying amen to that first one. Um, <laughs> where, where we just have peace and quiet in the room. Because there's not many places we can find that. Um, this week, I was, I was on my phone reading about how um, Apple has come to the conclusion that their devices are addictive. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't quite agree at first until I realized I was holding an Apple device. And so Apple apparently has begun to build into their software. So like if you do software up updates, there's, there's ways that you can limit your usages of certain apps. Like you can build it in to where once you open an app a certain number of times or have a certain amount of time that you've been on it, that it no longer will open. And so they've done all this research on, on how many times and how much, how much time people spend on their devices. And uh, the number is that the average American looks at their device, their phone, at least 80 times a day, 80 times a day. So uh, a reporter decided to do a little uh, challenge and study on this, and so he 
um, challenged like a 14-year-old girl to see who could look at their device the, the least amount of time over a certain period uh, of days. And so they got into this, and they were going back and forth a little bit, and she was winning a little bit. But they found that both of them had become so addicted to their phones that even though they couldn't open the app that they wanted to get into, out of habit, they would pick up their phone and look at it. And internally, they would get mad that they didn't know why they were looking at their phone because we've become so addicted to noise in our lives. Now, I'm a fan of Apple. Like, I really like Apple. I mean, Instagram, awesome. That's about it. But, it, I mean, there, um, I, there, there's something about the ways in which we live that keeps us from peace and quiet and rest. So I'm on this little bit of a journey and I'm going to invite you along to find a good theology of rest. What it means to pursue something that I believe God has built deep within each one of us as humans. I mean, even if you don't believe in God, even if you're not sure what you believe in the world, I, I believe deep within us is built this need to rest. Now, I know there's some cynics in the room saying, does that mean I can sleep during this message? Absolutely. You can check out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I think to have a good theology of rest, we have to have a little bit of a theology of work as well. And God, at the beginning, begun with work. He created. So the world in which we see um, didn't just appear. There was something behind putting this together. The beauty of the world, standing on a mountain, or the, some of you said going to the beach in the summer, that was a good memory. Like the beach and, and the beauty of a sunset over the ocean, like God created this. And if you look at the overarching theme of Scripture, we have this, this picture of God creating the beauty out of chaos or beauty out of nothingness or, or, or beauty out of darkness. And at the end of the Bible, there's this picture of, of a city, uh, what's like a holy city, where God is with people, and it says there is no more crying, no more tears, no more death. Doesn't that sound beautiful? There's, there, there, there are no more iPhones. It doesn't really say that, but you can read into it a little bit. God is with his people, and his people are with him. And I've realized that, that you can be present among people and not really be with them. You know what I'm talking about? Like many of you can be here, but you're not really here. Like we can be around each other, but neither one of us really be with the other. And there's this picture of, of darkness to beauty and, and, and this chaos moving to a place of order. God created the heavens and the earth, each piece he put into place. And, and the crowning achievement of God's creation is humanity. It's, it's you and me. Look at the person next to you. Like that is the ultimate of what God created. I mean, the idea of humanity, like that is what God, and God breathes life into humanity and he gives us breath. And this is like the ultimate. He creates humans in his own image, man and woman. And you know what he does at the very beginning? He gives us work to do. 
which some of you hate that idea. Like God is the one who gave us work. This is, this is what he said, and this is a different paraphrase, but he says, prosper. Like he's talking to us. Prosper. Reproduce. I love that one. Uh, fill. <laughs> I get in trouble for that later. <laughs> fill the earth. Take charge. Be responsible for something. Like God creates the beauty of the world and then he hands it to humanity. I mean, crazy. We might look at that and think that's the worst idea in the world that God gave us something so beautiful. But that's what he does. He, he gives us this and he says, take care of it. Like, be responsible. Take charge of this and make it great. So he, he creates. He hands it to us. And this is how it continues. It says that God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was, and what's that phrase? It, it's what? It's very good. Like he created all of this and, and this is very good. And evening passed and morning came marking the sixth day. Everything before this is good, which means work is good. Work is good. Now I want you to say that with me because we got to get it into our minds. Work is good. Let's say work is Work is good. Work is good. There's something good about work. Work is our joining in the creative process of God and bringing order out of chaos. Whatever it is that you do. Now, some of you are like, Matt, that, like, my job has nothing to do with creating order out of chaos. And, and my guess is if we, if we pulled your job and begin to break it down, there is something about your job that moves people into a place of order or beauty or peace. Like you are doing something that is providing good for others. And that is good. Our work is part of God's creative imagination and it brings order out of the chaos. It is good. Work is good. One more time, say it with me. Work is good. It's good. It's good. But work all alone by itself will kill us. Something that is good in overabundance can cause death. Did you know that? That just because it's good all by itself doesn't mean that it's complete. And so God continues this journey, and, and I love this part of it. So it's not just work that we are to pursue. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it, what's that word? Holy. Holy. Now, a couple quick questions, theological questions. Did God need to rest? What do you think? Did he need to rest? Like, does God have this depletion of energy where he needs to, like, lay down and take a nap because he's just got nothing left? No, God doesn't need to rest. Like, God wasn't just completely finished. And no, no, God rested as a model for those who have been created in his image, which is you and me. Like, we've been created in his image, and so God is building something within us and giving us a picture of the best possible way to live. So he doesn't rest because he has to. He rests because he chooses to. And it gives us a picture of what it means to be human, is to rest. Now, uh, wait, go back. One more. Yeah. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy. Now, this is beyond good. See, work is good. Work is good. 
Are you with me on that? Work is good. I, I know I haven't convinced you of that, but if you say it enough, maybe it'll work itself. And work is good. Rest is holy. There's something holy about rest. Better. Yes, it is. Amen. <laughs> work is good, but rest is holy. And it's the first time in Scripture that this word shows up, holy. Holy, it, it means uncommon or set apart. And what God is doing is he's saying, for six days of the week, you are to work. That is common to all humanity, like all of us work. Rest is uncommon and set apart. And you are to set apart this day as holy. Rest is holy. Rest is essential for us. Rest is essential for us to be healthy human beings. And I don't think I have to convince you of that. How many hours of sleep a night do you think we need to be healthy individuals? What do you think? Go ahead and throw out eight. Eight is like the number. Some of you are like, I can get away with seven. Like I'm an advanced human being. Seven hours, good for me. Uh, what the medical profession tells us is about eight hours, on average, eight hours of sleep. Now think about this. That means in our lives, a day of our lives, is it a third of the day is for rest. There is something built into us by God in order for us to be healthy human beings, and that is rest. In the ancient world, God told his people, when you farm the land, you are to farm the land for six years straight, and on the seventh year, you are to what? Let the land rest. Why? Because the land needs time to be replenished. I think one of the challenges in our world today, the foods that we eat, is because we don't allow the ground to replenish of the nutrients needed to feed the food which feeds us. We want to produce more and more and more and more and more and more. And rest is for the weak ones, not for us. God says, no, 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 rest is sacred. Now, rest teaches us a couple things. Here's the first thing rest teaches us. It teaches us that we aren't defined by work or our productivity. Now, this is a tough one for many of us. And I want you to hear this. And for, for some reason, men struggle with this. Like, I know that's a big generalization. But men, you are not defined by what you produce or what you achieve. You're, you're, not, you're not defined by that. And rest reminds us of this. Like when we're able to like lay down and let go, we're reminded that the world continues to spin. It's not up to me and it's not up to you. Now, there should be something relieving about that. Like, that should give us a peace. But most, well, not most, many men think that the world revolves because of the work that they do. And so the second thing we learn is that I am not as important as I think I am. Now, let's say this one together. This one's a little bit more difficult. You ready? Let's say it. I don't want to be the only one to say it. No, not you. You got to say I. So own it yourself. Here we go. I am not as important as I think I am. Yeah, you're not, and I'm not. And there is something, and I don't know if it's culture, I don't know if it's my parents, there, there is something built within some of us to believe that if we don't produce, 
if we don't work, then something's going to fall apart. I at times have the audacity to believe that if I'm not working hard and I'm not available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that McDowell's going to fall apart. Is that ridiculous? It's crazy. But I still, from time to time, I struggle with that. And I have to get my phone like, did somebody, did somebody email? Did somebody, call? did somebody need me? I am not as important as I think I am. And rest is what reminds me of this. Unplugging, letting go. Does, does anybody remember a day when, um, this was years ago. It, this like seems like a movie, like it's not real. But um, we had these things in houses and they hung on the walls or they sat on a table. They were called telephones. We didn't have devices to take around. And if you were outside playing or if you were taking a nap and the phone would ring and you didn't hear it, like people weren't mad at you for not answering. <laughs> like every now and then people are like, did you get my text? I'm like, yeah, that was 30 minutes ago. Why didn't you respond? Well, I was busy. Do, you know, I was doing something else or I was resting, but we have this like need to be connected in a way that is not healthy in the world. There's a better way to be connected with one another. And it's not this. I am not as important as I think I am. Now, this picture of what God creates becomes known as Sabbath. Have you heard the word Sabbath? Uh, it's a Jewish uh, rhythm in life. And the Sabbath for, for Jews was on Saturday, from, from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. Sabbath um, literally means to cease, to stop, to rest. And to celebrate. And God said, this is so very important to what it means to be human is to have one day a week where you cease, where you stop, where you rest. Six days a week work, one day a week rest. Now, some of you, I know how you think. You're like, we're, you know, as Americans, we've created a five day work week. And so we've like actually done one better for God. We've said, no, we're going to work for five days and then have two days off. So we're like taking the rest and we're kind of blowing it up and making it better than what God gave us. But I would ask the question, are we really resting two days a week? Anyone um, on your day off, like when you're not working at a place of business, anybody pay bills? Anybody like pay bills and get stressed out about paying bills? Am I the only one that gets stressed out about? Or like you walk into your backyard on, on, a, on a Saturday and most of us have pools back there and we realize it was windy the day before and so there's stuff in the pool and I can't enjoy the pool if there's stuff in the pool. So I got to get the, uh, the scoop out and I got to get all that stuff out of the pool. And then I realize that it was also dusty on the table and I got to clean off the table. And then there's the other stuff over here that has to be put away. And, and it, it feels as though like the stuff that I thought I owned is now owning me and rest is actually working around the house. Anybody else, can I get an amen in the room? Amen. Yes. And we have this drive to produce so we can get more. And then once we get more, we realize that it's actually just more work to do on my day off. Someone once asked me, Matt, do you ever want a boat? And I said, no, I just want friends with a boat because having a boat, <laughs> having a boat is work. Right? Have you ever seen how much work it is to have a boat? Some of you have boats. You know what I'm talking about. Is there ever a day in your life when you do nothing? 
Nothing, zero. No work, not just your job work, but also your life work. Is there a day when you unplug and you turn it off and you shut it down and you don't turn on the TV and you don't turn anything on, you just are? And God says this is the picture of Sabbath, to simply stop everything and celebrate what you already have, not that you would achieve something else, but celebrate as if it's enough. Like Sabbath is a celebration that, God, this is enough. And it's not dependent upon me to do more. Guys, I am terrible at this. I mean, I'm terrible. My wife is so much better at this than me. And, and every now and then, I feel like she really is God's voice to me. She says, Matt, can you ever just be content with how things are? And it like bugs me that she's right. And, and, and so I'm like, well, if we would just get it clean, it would, you know, and I have a list. Like yesterday, because I didn't want to be a total hypocrite talking about this, I tried to rest and I lay down, and I'm on the couch, and out of the corner of my eyes, there's just some dishes in the sink that are kind of above the, the line at which there should be dishes. And I'm like, all right, guys, five minutes, we can get the kitchen clean, and it'll be done. And so we go in the kitchen, and we clean up the kitchen. And then I notice out of the corner of my eye, the dining room table has a little bit too much stuff on it. My son's dirty socks are there. So I'm like, hey, guys, let's clean up. the." So we do that, and it's like one thing to the next to the next. Have you been there? Do you know what I'm talking about? And resting seems at times impossible to me. I mean resting. And it's tough in certain seasons of life. But it's essential. Uh, in the Ten Commandments, because God gets us. He, he knows that we have the tendency to do something when it comes to something so important. So he says this, remember. <laughs> You're going to forget. Don't forget. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Like set it aside. The, the, the Sabbath, set it aside. Six days you shall work and do all your work. But then on the seventh, like it's a Sabbath. It's for rest. It's for ceasing. It's for stopping. Remember that day and age when there were no businesses open on Sundays? It was like built into some of our culture. And so it wasn't as hard to do this, but today we've forgotten that. Like that does not exist anymore unless you're hungry for Chick-fil-A today. <laughs> but, but for most of us to do Sabbath as God has called us to do, which is good for our souls, to do Sabbath is to go against the grain of our culture, isn't it? Like resting doesn't work easily in our culture. But God says, this is what it means to be human. Remember this day and keep it holy. But what about Jesus? So it's, for some of us, when we look at the overarching theme of Scripture, this is all Old Testament stuff. And so it's like, well, what does the New Testament say? Like, what does Jesus say? If we're followers of Jesus, what does he say? Come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Anybody in the room weary of whatever it is? Are you just, anybody weary? Or is anybody just tired of carrying those heavy burdens, whatever they are? Like if I don't keep it going, nobody's going to keep it going, so that's on me. Like nobody else at my work 
can handle it, so I've got to handle it. Nobody will do it like me, so I've got to do it or else it's not going to get done. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come to, to me, Jesus, and, and find rest. Jesus is like, like prompting us to lean back towards him and find something in him. His life, uh, it says that he often withdrew to quiet. It's interesting. Uh, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And we always think that word lonely is a bad thing, but it was good for Jesus because it meant quiet and stillness and rest. And then he says this, take my yoke upon you. Now that word yoke is an interesting word. Um, it, was a, it, it was an image of those wooden uh, pieces that go on top of an ox that helps lead them through the fields as they're plowing the fields in the ancient world. That's what a yoke was. And many people thought of the Jewish tradition Jewish teachers had a yoke. It was their teaching, which they laid on people's shoulders. And Jesus said, take my yoke, take my teaching, which is different than the religious teaching. Take, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find, okay, this is like one of my favorite phrases. You will find rest for your souls. Yeah. Sometimes I need rest for my body because I'm tired, but I always need rest for my soul like just something deep within me. Uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this, and I want you to hear this, this paraphrase. I think it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus was saying in our modern dialect, that idea of yoke, that sometimes that doesn't work. So this is what Eugene, this is how Eugene Peterson translates this. Are you tired? When people ask you, how are you doing? Have you ever said tired? Is that the main answer? How are you? I'm tired. I think I say that just in case somebody says, you look tired. I don't, I don't want them to say that before I say it. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And he, he continues, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This is why the life and teachings of Jesus are so important to us. It's because there's something in the way that he lives that gives us a different way to be human. It gives us a picture, an idea of what God intended when he created us. Jesus was not interested in achieving more and more and more. And even though he was God in the flesh, on the earth, and he could do anything for him, it wasn't about achieving one more thing. And if the God of creation can enter into that kind of a life, how more important is, is it for us to enter into that kind of life? And then he, this phrase that Eugene comes up with, top five phrases in the Bible for me, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Just write that phrase down, unforced rhythms of grace, and put it somewhere that you can read it again and again and let it sink into you. The unforced rhythms of God's grace. Sabbath wasn't a command that was forced upon his people. Sabbath is a grace freely given to people. Like, God isn't up in heaven going, if you would just take a rest, you would see that I'm right about this. Now, God... <laughs> 
I think he would lean down and he would say, if you would just take a rest, you would find a better way to live life. You would find life that's really worth living if you would learn to rest. Work is good. It is really good. Rest is holy, sacred space for us. Now, what would it look like? I I hesitate to even say this. What would it look like one day a week if I turned this thing off? What would that look like? What would it look like if you turned your device off one day a week? If you, just as a starting point, like no media one day a week, what would that do to your life? Some of you, I heard freedom, but the first reaction for some of us would be panic. Like if I lost my phone for a day, I would go crazy. Like where is my phone? Like I need my phone, I need my phone. Like somebody needs me and I can't get to it. Or something's happened on Instagram and I need to see what's happening over there. Like, but what would happen if as a starting point, we just turned our devices off once a week and just called it Sabbath? Like I'm gonna Sabbath just from my, my phone or my mobile device, just one day a week. I think something would happen within us. Now, I, I get it. Some of you are like, I could never do that because my kids and, and I, like my kids need to get in touch with me. And what if something happens to my kids? And then, then what, what you, when you were a kid, your parents could not, I mean, many of you, not all of you, some of you, when you were a kid, your parents couldn't get in touch with you 24-7. Like we didn't have cell phones, which my kids find crazy that I didn't have a cell phone. But like my mom, like I said, she kicked me out of my house in the summer. And she said, come back at dinner time. And she didn't care what happened between 9 and 5. Well, I mean, <laughs> she did. I think she loved me. But it's okay. It would be okay for you to turn off your phone. And it might be a couple weeks of, like, anxiety. But then I think we would find this rhythm, this unforced rhythm of grace. And like I said, I don't even know if I want to bring that idea up because... I saw my wife writing it down, and she'll hold me to it. Um, last thing, and then we'll, we'll take a breath. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton is an author, and she talks a lot about this kind of thing, um, spiritual disciplines and habits and rhythms that we can get in. And she says this about Sabbath. I really, I really like this. She said, um, oh, that's not, that's not the one. She said, we're people... Uh, like a jar of river water, all shaken up. And what we need is to sit still long enough that the sediment can settle and the water can become clear. I want you to think of that image. Like every day when you get up, it's like a, a jar of river water. And it's shaken up in, in, your, in your doing, in your movement, in your activity. That, that, that jar is just continually shaken up. And Sabbath and rest is the process of setting that down and letting the sediment settle so that we can be clear once again. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's like focus, mindfulness, settling. Um, Joe's going to come out and... um, they're going to lead us in, in two more songs. And what I want us to do for this first song, I want to encourage you to do, is just sit still, if you can. I know this is so tough for some of us. Like, just to be still 
and you can close your eyes, you can sing along, you can just watch the lyrics as they go, whatever you want to do, but just for the first song, be still. And then uh, the second song, we have the stations around the room, which has become sacred for many of us, this area where you can write a prayer request or you can spend some time in confession and put that up on the cross as your way of giving that over to God. There's candles in the back of the room. Uh, light represents God's presence, and maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you. Uh, there's communion all around the room, and maybe you just want to be reminded of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. And maybe in going to take communion today, you would focus on his words, come to me, all who are weary, weighed down, and I will give you rest for your soul. So maybe you want to take communion and be reminded of that. So let's just be still during this first song, and then feel the freedom to move around the room. <laughs>